0: I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Farah Howard. She's a CMO of GoDaddy, and she's previously held leadership positions at Dell, Vans, Amazon Fashion, and now at GoDaddy as CMO. On the show today, we talk about, one, her background and where she got her start, but then we transition to GoDaddy and how the, they've had a massive brand evolution over the last four plus years, part of which she led the Evolution Up. Then we talk about their latest adventure into what I call branded entertainment with their docuseries Made in America over the last couple of years and how that came about, what it's doing, what they're learning as they go through that effort, as well as their pandemic campaign, Open We Stand, and how that came together, how fast it happened, and all of this being done by their internal creative agency. So we get her opinion on how to keep and retain talent within a creative function inside your company. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Farah Howard. Farah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: That's going to be fun. And we're going to start off with a one-two punch on your first jobs there at Doozy. Can you tell me more about it?
1: Absolutely. My first job was at Ben & Jerry's. And I started there as a kid as a, they called it a scooper back in the day and gradually worked my way up to manager. And I'm pretty sure that I actually ate my way up <laughs> to manager because my second job was as a weight loss counselor at Jenny Craig. <laughs> Two jobs may or may not have been correlated. I'll let you guys decide. Oh, I
0: know. And Ben and Jerry's is so good too. Uh Cherry Garcia is my favorite.
1: Ah, it's one of my favorites too. And back in the day when I worked there, the FDA didn't have to put food labels on everything. <laughs> so I just assumed it was good for me. Little did I know. <laughs> well,
0: it, it was good. It, it led to your next job. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so. It was good and it led to my next job.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about how you went from ice cream to weight loss to the CMO at GoDaddy. Uh, what, what happened in between?
1: <laughs> it's hard to segue from those, but I'll do my best. So my career path to marketing actually started post-business school. So after undergrad, I went into healthcare and I learned while in that space that my real passion was actually in communication and connecting connecting people through stories, through true stories. And what I learned was that was actually called marketing. I parlayed my passion about marketing, first and foremost, into a space that I love, which is fitness. And my very first job in marketing was at Gatorade. And I learned at Gatorade really the value of knowing your customer and getting really close to your customer. I think the consumer packaged goods world does a phenomenal job training young marketers to always make sure they put the customer in the center of everything that they do. And after a few years there, I made a big switch and went into technology. I spent 11 years at Dell. I helped them stand up their in-house digital agency. And it was some of the most fun that I had in my career. I had a lot of other jobs during that timeframe as well, from product management and marketing to helping run the consumer marketing business at Dell. Loved that experience. Taught me a tremendous amount about analytics, about creative storytelling. And I was lucky enough to take that job and shift from technology into a brand with an amazing story to tell. I went to Vans and had an opportunity to lead their brand. Pretty dramatic difference from what I was doing before. Highly, highly creative. I got to help them celebrate their 50th anniversary, which was Such an honor, considering their brand story is a really fantastic one, and I got to help them tell it. From there, moved to Amazon and ran Amazon's fashion marketing, and then found myself really missing being in a mission-driven brand and being in technology. I've had a constant theme of being in digital marketing jobs and being really hands-on in the digital space, and that helped lead me to GoDaddy, where I've been for now the past several years.
0: It's an amazing journey. One, because you, to your point, you, you've covered a lot of different industries like CPG technology, apparel or footwear, I should say, <laughs> merchandise or retail online selling and merchants. And I guess there's a little bit of fashion in that and, and products as well. And now tech again, but a very different type of tech from Dell. Are there any like tips for changing industry, if you will, uh, packaging your experience for the next job?
1: I think one of the most important considerations for a marketer when they're changing industry is to really step back and look at what they do on a daily basis and be able to talk about those capabilities by pulling the product out of the narrative. Right? If I think about my job today at GoDaddy, a big portion of my job is how we think about advertising and media strategy. That was the same big part of my job at Vans and at Amazon Fashion. And what I often hear is that marketers will be very specific about the industry when they are pursuing a new opportunity. And immediately they get pigeonholed to a certain extent as, well, that's a fashion marketer or that person is a technology marketer or that person is a consumer packaged goods marketer. And I think the marketing discipline, albeit going through a lot of change you know or has gone through a lot of change in the past ten years, there still is tremendous commonality across how you go to market regardless of the product that you're selling or the consumer that you're serving.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Well, let's talk about goDaddy goDaddy you have been the company has been on a massive brand evolution in the last four. Or so years, I, I, I'm not keeping count. Can you describe kind of that journey and when you when you entered the picture too?
1: GoDaddy has been on a journey for certain, a journey of both shifting their strategy to continue to serve their 20 million plus customers and future customers in really different ways, and also a, a journey of transforming the brand. So I joined while the brand was in a state of evolution, and I'd contest we still are. And when I joined in 2019, GoDaddy had already started to pivot to tell more of a story around the customers that they served, really putting the everyday entrepreneurs that we support in the the middle of their advertising. They were still actually doing some level of advertising with Danica Patrick, but more telling the stories of her as an entrepreneur and surrounding those stories of her with other entrepreneurs, the, the bakers, the hairdressers of the world who were using GoDaddy products and services. And that really started to pull more and more prospective customers toward us and say, whoa, wait a minute, this, is, this feels different. And we started to see the relevance and engagement with our brand from our customers grow based on the research that we consistently do. Um, in the past several years, you know, we've continued to keep the pedal down on change. In 2020, and of course, that work happened the year before as I was there and even the year prior, but we launched a new logo. And that new logo said to the world, again, you know, GoDaddy is is changing. Take a look at us. And we spent a lot of time, as brand marketers do and should, evaluating the logo, doing huge amount of global research to really understand what we wanted that logo to look like and feel like based on the, the stories we were going to put into that logo because the logo is only as powerful as the brand itself is. Um, and at the same time, we continued to tell stories in the market and advertising that featured our customers. We are on a, a journey and that journey is continuing to evolve. I, I won't, won't take us down the circuitous path of talking about Um, The past several years, although I bet we'll go there in light of uh, what we've all been dealing with, but our our journey of putting the customers at the center and continuing to support them um, is a steadfast focus. Even when thrown curveballs like a global pandemic and a massive surge in in needs for e-commerce, all of those things continue to be important factors that we keep in mind when we go to market.
0: It seems like, I mean... A focus on this entrepreneur or the the core customer of who you serve led to your docu-series, Made in America. One, I guess, is that true? And then two, how did you decide on a docu-series?
1: I love to talk about Made in America. So Made in America really came from an insight that entrepreneurs can learn from one another and that their journey, albeit at times challenging, can always also be really triumphant and inspirational. And helping entrepreneurs see other entrepreneurs making it work can inspire other folks to take their idea and bring it into the world. And so we started internally evaluating the premise of Made in America several years ago. We're actually just about to bring our third series to market of Made in America based on the incredible response that we've had. And Made in America, again, is really following entrepreneurs as they bring their ideas into the world. And we are literally sitting side by side with those entrepreneurs. We're we're at their homes. We're at their businesses. We're helping them stand up their technology. And at the same time, making sure that we tell the story of the whole entrepreneur. And those stories have really resonated. Um, YouTube lauded GoDaddy for the work and called it out as one of the best best series that they had on YouTube this past year. And we're thrilled with that honor. And more importantly, we continue to see really strong support from our customers and and non-customers alike when they consume the series that they want to learn more about those entrepreneurs. And maybe last but not least, one other quick point is when we feature entrepreneurs, whether it be in made in America or in any of our advertising, their business grows too. So you know, when we talk about the family that brought Mokey Pops to the world, their business grew significantly because people were interested both in their story and their products. And they could find them because they were building their brand online. So I love the fact that it becomes this gratuitous circle in which by showcasing the customers, we're helping create more customers and we're also helping them individually build their business.
0: I love the idea. And I I am a big fan of like rich content, like you're describing, you know, where, you know, what you're providing is an element of it, but it's not the whole story. And you can highlight your customers in the process. I mean, but it's no, no small effort either, right? Cause it sounds, it sounds like you're getting an, a lot out of it in terms of like really deeply profiling your customers. I mean, frankly, from a research standpoint, you're, you're going really deep, but from a marketing standpoint like it's it's also a big effort to put together a series like that i was just curious you know i guess did it feel like a big effort on your end or maybe maybe i'm making more out of it than it really is
1: it's a good question and it is a big effort you know anytime as a marketer you're investing in you're investing deeply in your customer to get to know them and to tell their their story particularly in longer form content it's a feat but I'll tell you that the relationships that we build directly with our customers, when we bring their stories to the world, we learn so much, not just about them, but we learn about the the struggles and the joys of them getting to bring their business into the world. We learn about how our products serve them. We learn more about what they need. So it's a massive undertaking. We don't take these things lightly. And we, we build this work internally. So our in-house team has to spend a lot of time thinking about, do I do this or do I do that? So we definitely scrutinize the ideas before we start to bring them to market. What I would say though, for those of you who are listening, who are marketers, is you also can dip your toe in the water by telling a short form version of what you think could be a longer form story, investing a small amount of dollars on YouTube to get eyeballs on it and see if, if your hypothesis holds, if people think that what you're bringing to the world matters, they'll tell you with their their clicks and their comments, and then you can go deeper and invest in full high quality production shows. Ultimately, that bring your customers and ultimately your brands to life.
0: I want to get back to. I'm going to s- skip it for now, but I'm coming back to this produced internally because that's amazing, um, and we'll talk about how you do that and how you retain the talent, things like that. But before we go there. You talked about, I mean, the last 18 months or so, maybe longer now at this point, have not been easy. Uh, and we're in the last quarter of 2021 recording this. You know, the world really stopped in 2020 to a large degree. And GoDaddy responded with this hashtag open we stand campaign. Can you tell me a little bit more about that work? I know it's a little older than this, this new series made in America that's coming out, the third series, but uh, I would love to highlight it and, and talk a little bit about it.
1: It's easy for me to talk about because the the origin of Open We Stand is like technicolor in my mind. You know, there are moments that really stand out in your career. And March 2020 was a time that I think probably all of us have very distinct memories as we all, you know, respectively went into lockdown and our lives felt dramatically different. Our work lives felt dramatically different. And we we certainly didn't know then <laughs> that we were still going to be in this altered state that we've been in for the past 18 plus months. But what we did know was there was a universal human truth that we were all experiencing. And it was that we wanted to be open, right? Whether you were a business and you wanted your doors open, or you were a family and you wanted your home open, you wanted your schools open. Psychologically, you wanted to feel open and, and receptive. But we were all dealing with a tremendous amount of change and unknown at the same time. And that premise was the genesis, that insight was the genesis of Open We Stand. And I distinctly remember my team calling me up. We're all working at home, right? So we're not out in the world producing work. And they said, we've got to get a big chunk of time. We want to talk to you about this insight. And we have ideas on how to build a marketing campaign that we think will really matter to the world. And they shared the insight and the work. And it was in a really amazing place in literally 14 days post-lockdown. It was phenomenally fast, in my opinion. It was the fastest, best work that I've seen this team and, and candidly any of the teams that I've worked with produce. And I shared it with my CEO because I was so enthusiastic, it's the wrong word. I was so touched by the insight and what this campaign could do that it became a rallying cry internally. And it also became a rallying cry externally. OpenWestand Stand was an advertising campaign, but what we decided to do as a company was we knew that businesses needed help figuring out how to stay open. And we brought 70 big brands around the world together and created ultimately a coalition and OpenWeStand.org. We directed nearly all of the traffic to OpenWeStand.org, not GoDaddy. And that site was full of resources for entrepreneurs, free products, consultation, tools, blogs, and support, including monetary support um, from partners like GoFundMe to help these entrepreneurs that largely had fiscal retail figure out, right, how how do I do things differently now? And that campaign, like I said, worked because it was more than a campaign and was really grounded in a universal truth. And so as a result, the message really resonated and we were able to make a big impact for customers that we're continued to, you know, we will continue to focus on how we can support them. So open, we stand as a rallying cry, even though the campaign is no longer in market, that premise really drives us in terms of how we go to market.
0: You said it, it wasn't just marketing. It was this coalition of partners and the, how do we just as a customer base, as a company, as people continue to stay open? How did you generate content during this period of time? Like that must've not been easy either.
1: It was a challenge for sure, and what i what I learned during that period was how resilient people are and how creative creatives can be <laughs> <laughs> so truly i mean we we use cutting room floor content, we use prior content, we encouraged our customers to send us their own content, you know shot at home on their iPhone, and we as a result, created really authentic, sometimes gritty, but very real content that told the stories of what people were dealing with and how they were dealing and I think that also really helped break through and enable us to be heard um, and we had to you know, we had to make things in ways that we'd never made things before. Donald Sutherland was the voiceover for our first open We stand commercial that we ran. And he is a longstanding fan of the brand, owns a lot of domains. And we're like, you know what? Everyone's at home right now. We're going to call Donald Sutherland and see if he'd be willing to be the voiceover because it this spot requires the gravity that someone like him can bring. And maybe he'll say yes. And he did. And he, you know, he got the script and he did the voiceover, you know, at his home studio. Home studio, I think, might have been down the street, but, you know, a local studio where he felt very comfortable. And then... We had to figure out how to incorporate that in the work we had been making also in our own homes. So it was phenomenal to see things come together. And again, to come together so quickly. The campaign launched March 20th. And depending on where you are in the world listening to this, like you might have just gone into lockdown on March 20th. We had the challenge um, in the Pacific Northwest of going into lockdown a little bit earlier and maybe feel feeling all the feels that people were then eventually feeling a little bit earlier but still it was with great speed um, and urgency that we brought the message to market and in ways that we would never made creative before
0: we're talking about all this amazing work the campaigns the films the In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Docu-series that you're doing, and you're doing it all with internal people for the most part. So like, how do you find and retain talent for your inside creative team?
1: I am the benefactor at GoDaddy of inheriting an in-house team. So I want to give credit to GoDaddy for having established an in-house team several years prior and really bolstering that team. And it's grown over time. But as I mentioned earlier, I've been both a long-standing supporter of in-house teams and I've had the opportunity to, to stand them up at multiple points in my career you know, early on um, at Dell years ago. And I would say that times are really, I mean, clearly times are different now based on what's happening in the world. But I remember in 2007, really struggling to find good case studies and good fodder to bring external talent internal. It was a rarity to have an in-house team And what I've found, a that's changed tremendously over time. I think that brands realize that the closer you can bring a creative organization to your business and to your business strategy, the better the work is. And so that often means bringing your team in house. And I've found through my experience that creative leaders are more and more enthusiastic about being in house because even though you may lack the daily variety that an agency brings. If you're working on five or six different brands concurrently, because the way we go to market now is so varied, right? There's no traditional advertising campaign. You're not just building a TV spot and a print spot and a performance marketing set of spots, and then versioning them. You're building things like made in America. You're making organic content every day on social media. You're building television campaigns. You're working with different customer Cohorts based on the complexity of your brand. And so the breadth is there. And I honestly think it's the breadth and the stability, and then the opportunity for a creative to go really deep with a brand and understand it that helps teams stay in place in a world in which you know agency environments tend to be pretty transient. And I think that stability has as long as the work is interesting um, and stretches folks creatively, can ensure that you have both success with an in-house team and tenure and I think those two things are directly tied together.
0: It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, the fact that I, having worked on the agency side myself prior, there was all that always that distance, right? Between you and the and the client and a lot of times you're kind of left guessing a little bit, you know, like what okay, they told us the strategy, they gave us the brief, they gave us the documents, et cetera. I'm just not feeling it yet, you know, but I imagine that distance completely goes away when you're on their side, you know, the client side, and you can have access, you live and breathe the culture every day. You understand where the company's going and you have all the context of all the meetings that you may not have been in, in in the agency environment or you were one step removed from it.
1: I agree. I mean, the path to the truth and the path to data is much shorter when you're in house. I used to say, and this may, may be a dated reference as we all currently and largely work from home is that an agency relationship is akin to you being like out in the parking lot without a badge, staring at the building trying to figure out the strategy. And the in house team is like a card carrying, badge holding employee that has access to all the context, all the meetings. And I think I found in my career that the in house teams are at their best when they are exposed to the business context, right? Cre- creative teams need. Context on the business P&L, the business strategy, what's working, what's not, the experiments that you run makes their creative better. They're not just producing from a brief, they're producing from like daily being fed context on the customers they're supporting in the business that they're helping run.
0: Agree. And I think honestly, you could turn that into great advice for anybody listening to this interview on how to work with creative teams, providing them as much context as you possibly can to get the best result. They need it. So we've been talking about the campaigns of past. (laughs) Where's GoDaddy going? Where are you going next?
1: We are and have just brought into market pretty exciting information specific to our focus on commerce and payments. So GoDaddy has recently brought to market capabilities to help our customers sell online and sell offline, right? We know the world is opening up and our customers' customers, so their their end consumers' expectations are that they want to buy anything anywhere at any point in time. And GoDaddy has the capabilities to help our customers with that, as well as phenomenal payment options for them as well. To date, the world has not known GoDaddy for being able to do those types of jobs for them. And so we have a new campaign in market that we refer to internally as sell anything anywhere. And it, it celebrates our customers who are utilizing these new products from GoDaddy, including Naomi Osaka, who just launched a new skincare brand called Kinlo Mm -hmm. and Kinlo.com. And we're her commerce and website partner for bringing that brand to the world. And so this campaign, We're really excited about it. We're really excited about partnering with Naomi, but we're also excited about the additional entrepreneurs that we feature um, in this advertising campaign and really helping, again, helping entrepreneurs meet all of their digital needs, including being able to sell their products anywhere. And again, digital commerce has been expedited um, or the need for it um, in light of what we've all been dealing with the past 18 months. But the the wave had been there prior things are just moving much faster and so that is the key story that we're telling in the market right now is really helping bring that capability to the world
0: i love it there are some bright spots of going through a pandemic in the fact of like expediting omni-commerce you know like omni-channel commerce and one thing I hope doesn't go away from my r- local restaurants I love visiting is the ability to order online <laughs> and pick up, or or uh, or take away, or or dine in if if that's what I want to do that night. So there are bright spots, I guess you could say.
1: There are bright spots, and what's happening is you know online and offline are are really the lines are blurring. We've been talking about this happening for well over a decade, and and now it is and. The fact that GoDaddy is bringing e-commerce capabilities and physical commerce capabilities and payments together, including you know, launching two new point-of-sale devices, really unifies the experience both for our customers, making it really easy for them to manage and move seamlessly across environments and ultimately serve their customers better. That's what, again, the world is now expecting. And so we are... We're meeting our customers where, where they are and, and bringing new capabilities to them. Because like I said, the online and offline worlds have merged.
0: It's exciting. So congratulations on all the great work and I can't wait to see the new campaign and the the new docuseries that's coming out uh, in not too long distance. One of the things we love to do on the show is get to know you even a little bit better. We know, we know your affinity for ice cream. And, but uh, one of my favorite questions is, uh, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today?
1: The primary experience from my past that helps me be successful today is truly my family. I have three little boys. They're very close in age. My boys are 10, 11 and 12 years old. And what I've learned by building a family, particularly building a family with my boys born in rapid succession is the importance of what I what I often call toggling. Like being able to truly focus on my family when I need to. And then on the opposite side, toggle back to work. And that skill has been something that I've spent a lot of time honing. When I worked at Dell and my kids were young and really needed me, when I would walk in the door, I would leave my cell phone in the car. Um, This sounds like a really silly thing to do, but I would leave it in the car because between six and 7 p.m., which is usually when I'd get home, I would be wholly focused on them. I knew if my phone was around, it's like a a tether back to the office. And I set my out of office and I was 100% with my kids. Now, is an hour enough? Absolutely not. They need much more and, and I do everything I can to give it to them. But I see so many folks try to balance, meaning do two things at once. And I just, I don't believe that I can do two things at once that well. Um, (laughs) So I, I try to do one thing very deliberately at a time, sometimes really fast. But that's been really important for me in my career too. Like I'm able to really focus and listen to people when they talk to me at work. I'm not thinking about other things. I'm trying to be wholly present. And it's because I'm intentionally toggling. And I don't think I would have learned the importance of that skill if I hadn't had such a demanding period in my life when, You could imagine I had you know three kids under three, um, and had a very demanding job, and my husband did too. And we figured out how to make it work by attempting to be wholly present, whether it was at home or at work. Um, And it it really helps me every day.
0: I really love the idea of toggling because I've always railed against balance. Like I just think it's BS, and like (laughs) me too. You can't do that, like it, it, and it sets you up for failure because it assumes that balance is fifty fifty, right? And that we just work more hours in the day than we are with not working if you're you know, a full-time professional. And it's just like math you know, at the end of the day. But I really like the notion of toggling. I've always thought of it as integrating, like how do I integrate these two pieces of myself together? But I, the notion of you can't multitask, and especially you should not be multitasking with your family, I really like the toggle idea. And it's very visual, a great metaphor. So thank you. I may I may use that. I may I may I may uh, pilfer that <laughs> metaphor as I talk to other people.
1: Please do. It's so funny, right? Because we all we all to- we all toggle in technology, right? You're literally jumping between applications, and you're that means you're doing one thing at a time. And so I I try really hard to do it. I talk about it, um, and I try to model it too, right? I mean, we all have a life outside of work, whether whether you have a family, a hobby, other demands, and being really honest about it. In fact, that's the silver lining of the past year and a half. Not only have we all had to be really honest about it, it's, everyone's seeing everybody's stuff, <laughs> right? We're all, we're all at home. Nearly, you know, nearly everyone who works with me can tell you that I have three boys because they see them on Zoom every once in a while. And I think that's really a beautiful thing. Then we get to bring our whole selves to work.
0: What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over?
1: One piece of advice I would give my younger self is to be very comfortable not knowing or to say that another way, like, don't be afraid of the unknown, jump in and learn it on the job. I think early in my career, I felt like I needed to be an expert in all things and go really deep. And there were there were some times where I didn't raise my hand for opportunities because I assumed I didn't have the expertise that I needed to be successful. As my career progressed, I found that there were things that were thrown onto my plate that I had absolutely no experience in doing. And the way I learned was by asking questions, by partnering with other people who are experts, and ultimately by letting the experts on my team do their thing and lead. Um, and my job was to help get barriers out of their way. So I would just say, don't be afraid, raise your hand, and You will learn by doing, Um, particularly with how fast the world is moving these days. We're all learning as we go. And I would just encourage folks to embrace that.
0: It's a really important piece of advice. I just want to underline it because I think as you advance in your career, you pretty quickly get to a place where you don't know everything. (laughs) Like, like You can't, you physically can't be master of all domains. And um, I, I think it's great advice. So Thank you for sharing. Is there a topic that you're trying to learn more about yourself or you think other marketers should be learning more about?
1: There's a topic that I've been a steadfast student of throughout my career, and it's around understanding how to how to measure the impact of your marketing. And that's both qualitative and quantitative. So much is changing in that space as well. And so when I say learning more about marketing measurement, that doesn't just mean marketing analytics. That's certainly a big portion of it. But understanding how you measure resonance, affinity um, as well as impact, and I spend a ton of time now thinking about the intersection of brand marketing and performance marketing and how they support one another and how they how they make each other better, how good brand advertising makes your performance advertising work harder, and vice versa and so it's a it's a topic that's been a consistent focus for me throughout my career and again. Maybe the theme has changed, right? The industry is changing so quickly that there's always something new to learn.
0: Are there any, you know, on a personal? Note, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow, or you think other people should take notice of?
1: One of the things that I spent a lot of time thinking about, and have even more so over the past eighteen months, is really understanding how important it is for brands to show up in a meaningful way in the world. And express their values with consistency. You know, over the the past year and a half, for certain, I think we've all witnessed moments in which when I say consumers, I really should just say people are expecting brands to speak up and and stand with populations that have been underrepresented. And I have a ton of respect for brands who do that. We've been doing that at GoDaddy. It's really important to me. And so brands that have a really clear perspective on their values and are willing to shout them loud and proud in the world give me a ton of pride. I've been a longstanding fan of Patagonia. Their mission is is massive. Their mission is something aspirational around, you know, really changing the world. And they every day take steps to do that with their product. They're more than a product company. And I think I'm inspired by brands that have a mission and a vision that transcend what they do every day and ends up being a you know a higher purpose that they're striving for one other brand worth noting um I'd be remiss to not talk about them cuz I'm literally looking at it right now in my home office is peloton and what I love about the peloton brand is that they they truly grew through community they grew through word of mouth and if you are a peloton rider um, or a fan like they Clearly, what they've been able to do externally is impressive, but internally, like their instructors have been consistent for years. And so their brand is really shaped by their employees and their community. And um, from what I can see from the outside, they know and respect that and cultivate that every day. Um, And so I think there are, are many brands that can learn from the community component of Peloton as well. I'm inspired by them. And we are constantly talking about the power of community at GoDaddy as well.
0: It's a really good point. I, and I remember, I don't even remember how many years ago this was, but I, I interviewed the prior, like one of the first CMOs at Peloton and it, to your point about selling through community, she, she, I vividly remember her saying, yeah, we've got a Facebook group of users that is like 250,000 people. So anytime anyone, you know, wants questions, wants to ask questions about us through the sales cycle, we just send them to the Facebook group. And they answer all their questions and there's all our customers answering questions for them. And I was like, that's insane. And she's like, yeah, it's like the best thing we have that no one knows. <laughs> so,
1: well, it also takes a lot of guts, right? Like so, so I would say early in my career, I think the perception was that marketing really managed the communication, right? Particularly in a world with where everyone was watching television at the same time and reading magazines and You know, the digital world wasn't where anywhere close to where it is today. It takes guts to put your brand in the hands of your consumers. But if you have an amazing product and you're consistent on your values and your mission and you help support the community, they will do a sizable amount of your brand communication for you. And guess what? It's more powerful because someone else is saying it about you, not you.
0: I have one last question for you. What do you feel like is either the largest opportunity or threat that marketers face today?
1: I think that the biggest opportunity that we marketers have instead of face is to really embrace the younger generation of marketers who are entering the workforce and give those marketers a voice, learn from them. You know, I'll often say I've, I've 12-year-old son, I promise you he knows much, much more about TikTok than I do. And so I'm not insinuating that my 12-year-old son is building our TikTok strategy. But I do think that we need to tap into the next generation of marketers to really understand how they consume media, what matters to them, and when they engage with a brand. And how how do we learn and embrace their experiences so that we can continue to evolve how we go to market and evolve our brands. And so I would encourage any of you listening to please mentor the next generation, take risks. And if you could see me, I'm putting air quotes around it because it's truly not a risk create mentorship programs at your company where you can help graduate burgeoning marketers and, and create future marketers because it it will pay dividends over time.
0: Hi it's Alan again. Marketing today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at ShareYourGenius.com. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingTodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more
0: and this is Marketing Today.